Hello, you're listening to No Such Word Is Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't, and I genuinely believe that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. Today I am sitting down to record today's podcast episode with my mum because you guys have been asking for it so I thought, you know what, she's here in the Netherlands, why not? Welcome to the podcast mum. Thank you so <laughs> How are you feeling about being here? I'm loving being in the Netherlands. I find it strange to be sitting recording a podcast. That's not just that's not my era. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not really one for being in front of a camera or no social media and all that. That's not my thing. Yeah, definitely isn't. It was always me when I was younger forcing you to to get your picture taken yeah, I don't and like stuff. Yeah, my picture taken at all. You're a bit better, better now. now. Yeah, you're a bit better uh, now. So a lot of people have asked for you to come on the podcast. I think probably because you know, you're one of the major reasons why I managed to achieve my dream job. You know, I could never have done it without you. You were always my biggest supporter. So I think, I don't know, I think people want to hear a little bit about what that was like for you and where you got your strength. Well, I was, well, I got my strength from my mum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you crying already? That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's start. We're going to start at the beginning. So, you know, this podcast is named... For a phrase that you always used to tell yeah. me. No such word as can't. So was that told to you by someone or no. did you make it up? No, it was just something I always said to you when you said, oh, mum, I can't do this. There's no such word as can't. You can do anything in the world that you put your mind to. Mm-hmm. Nothing can stop you. You're strong. You're independent. You can do this. And why was that so important to you when I was little? That because I knew that. I think a lot of females were underestimated in my age group. that They weren't allowed to do things. Even when I was at high school... It was a case of the boys were put forward for university. They were groomed for that kind of thing. Women were groomed to get married and have family, not to have a career. Mm. So I didn't want that for you. I wanted you to do what you wanted, to be happy and to follow your dreams. Yeah, and I think that's something that you wanted for yourself as well, because you definitely weren't a person to be like, oh, I just want to settle down and get married and have kids. I was never interested in getting married ever. Yeah. I mean, your dad and I were together a long time. And then you came along, but um, it was never an option for me to get married. I just didn't want it. But you left home really young. I left home at 17 and a half. I moved into the nurse's home, though, and I started my nursing career then. Did you always want to be a nurse? No, it's really strange. I actually wanted to be a nursery nurse, and I went for the interview, was accepted for the job, accepted the job, and then saw an advert in the local paper for psychiatric nursing, and I thought, oh, I want to do that. So I went for the interview, passed the interview, rejected the other job and took the job in nursing. And what was it like leaving? Because you have a lot of siblings. Yes. So it was very (laughs) chaotic and hectic growing up in your house with lots of people around. So what was it like leaving that environment and going into the nurse's home? That was a bit strange. That was, although there were a lot of nurses about there, trainee nurses, um, to have a room of your own and you shut your door and you locked it at night, and that was you to the next warranty saw him. There was nobody coming into your room to steal your tights. There was nobody coming in to steal your underwear. You know, things like that. Um, that was strange. And the kind of, it was slightly lonely at times. 
but it was something I actually began to relish was time on my own because mm. I didn't really have that as a child. And what was your childhood like? Chaotic, fun, exciting. There was a lot of things in my childhood that I loved, an mm-hmm. awful lot of things. Um, and I think as well, my age group, we had a lot of time to play outside. We went out playing when it was summertime. We went out early, 10 o'clock in the morning. Your grandma would wrap up sandwiches if we were going to the local park, which was enormous. My favourite park that then became your favourite park. Um, they had water fountains in the park, so you didn't have bottles of juice. There was none of these single-use bottles or anything like that. The whole crowd, the whole scheme, we stayed in a scheme. A scheme is a very, is a Scottish, Scottish word, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. It's a, it's a housing estate. Yeah. That's what you, you'd call that now, a housing estate. But we called it the scheme. And there was children all of our age groups who all grew up together, went to school together, and we all palled about together. So we all went to the local park and we had made up our own games. We used our imagination. There was waterfalls. There was uh, periods of, sort of rivers that we weren't supposed to cross that we told my mum we wouldn't cross, but we did. You know, we used the log or we used a pipe to cross these logs and it was dangerous and a couple of people fell in, including my young sister that I had to take home <laughs> and threw her in the door uh, and ran away again. And then we had all the play equipment and we had the boating pond and we played on the boats, things like that. We had a very idyllic childhood mm. that way. We did. And do you remember, because you, know, you mentioned that as a young girl of your age group, you weren't necessarily pushed into careers. Do you remember having... A dream when you were younger of what you wanted to do? Yes, I wanted to be a PE teacher. Mm. And my PE teachers at school, physical education, in case people don't know what PE is, physical education, um, my PE teachers were very encouraging to me. I was a very good swimmer. Uh, they put me against the boys in the other classes because I outswam every girl in the school. Um, and the male PE teachers didn't like it because the boys were being beat. Mm by a girl, mm-hmm. you know. Um, my teachers would let me take PE classes. In fact, my friend, Harry and Fiona, their cousin has said to me, I remember you taking me for PE when I was, I just mm-hmm. was in first year, and I'd do gymnastics and I'd do trampolining. But it wasn't something that was pushed. And why, why did you end up not becoming a PE teacher? Why did you end up grades. going into nursing? I didn't get the grades for it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And why was that? Because I wasn't pushed to get them. Mm. You know, I mean, I had the brains, I had the capability, but I wasn't pushed. Mm. Do you, you think know? that's why you pushed me so hard when I came along? <laughs> I don't think I pushed you, I think I motivated you. Mm. Or I got you to motivate yourself, but perhaps you see it as being pushed. <laughs> I don't know, you de- you weren't a pushy parent, no, I but I think, think so. I think you definitely, you know, expected the most out of me. Yeah, I, I didn't, when you were saying like, I can't do this and there's no such word as can, you can do this. Mm. Just put your mind to it. You can do it. You can do anything you want. And I think that then gave you a drive to say, well, I can achieve these things. My mum said I can do it, so I can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it's important to have someone behind you supporting mm-hmm. you like that. And I, I see it now like when I'm coaching people. And, you know, some people have a very good support system and some people don't. And Mm -hmm. just the difference of having someone say, you know what, I believe in you and I'm going to do what I can to help Mm -hmm. you and to support you can really make all the difference. Just having someone say, no, I do believe in you and Mm -hmm. I think that you can do it can can make a massive difference. So when you eventually you did leave home, you moved into the nurse's home and you started training to become a nurse. 
what was that like finding your own kind of path in your own life having come from such a, a large family and then kind of forging your own way by yourself what was that like it was strange because I had never known anybody who'd been in a psychiatric hospital or had done psychiatric nursing and although it interested me it intrigued me to know about mental illness and what it was like but mental illness then in the 70s compared to now in the year 2020 polar opposites mm. I mean they are uh, sometimes it was a bit scary um, nursing was different every single day there was a routine in whatever ward you went to but the patients were different you know uh, their ways were different so you always had to adapt to them and I always loved it I mean I'd done it for 37 years you did so. but what were some of the, the major differences that you can remember things that for instance you would never do in the modern day that, that you guys were taught or saw happening back then? Well back then things were different, right? Restraint was different of patients. Medication was different then. I mean medication advances and medication is phenomenal mm. now. Um, you used to have seclusion rooms where people would go in, not padded cells, never saw a padded cell in my life. Um, a seclusion room was a quiet room and basically all I had in it was a mattress. Mm. You know, and it was to reduce stimulation. For someone you know who was overstimulated because the wards were overcrowded too mm. you know and you didn't always have the great balance of patients and staff so there were times like that and, and at that time when i started medications were major tranquilizers minor tranquilizers antidepressants you know you don't have the variety that you have now yeah you know is that something that you've enjoyed being able to see over the years as the advances in psychiatry and in medicine to support it? Oh, definitely, without a doubt. There's been enormous advances in it. Um, when I was younger in training, it was always people were labelled as schizophrenic, mm. bipolar disorders, whereas we moved away from that in the 80s and 90s and it was in making sure that nobody had labels. It's not nice to label somebody. You know, they've had an episode of whatever, mm. but they're not labelled as. You know, you wouldn't label somebody as a, you're an appendicitis, yeah. you know, or you're a heart condition. <laughs> so why should you be labelled as schizophrenic? Mm. You know, these are all illnesses that can be treated and treated well. You know, that you don't display any signs of it. So why should somebody be labelled as that? I really like that, you know, saying, oh, you've had an episode of schizophrenia or you've had an episode yeah. of bipolar. You know, it's something that you live with, but it's not something that you are. No, it's not. It doesn't define you. Mm. Nothing defines you in life except you. Yeah. How you are. How Look you at that. There's a, there's a nugget of wisdom. Nothing defines you in life except you. See? <laughs> this is me. This is why people wanted you on the pod. You've got little nuggets of That's wisdom. Um, so yeah, you became a nurse. Obviously, you know, you met my dad when you were there and mm -hmm. you guys were together, you know, over a decade. And, you know, I think anyone that follows this podcast or follows me knows that my dad isn't a massive part of my life. He's still my dad and mm -hmm. everything. We don't need to get into it. But, you know, at some point in your life, you did become a single mum. Mm -hmm. How did you cope with that? I coped with it because I had a great support. I had mm. my sisters. I've got five sisters, as you know, uh, and my mum. Fantastic support, and mm -hmm. my brother as well. I mean, great support. My mum, I mean, my mum is very old school, was born in the 1920s, who, single parenthood, it's not something she would think was ideal for you, but she never once commented negatively about it. As long as I was happy, as long as you were happy, she was happy and yeah. happy to support me. 
And I think we spoke about this the other day, actually, as well, about how times have kind of have changed, you know, with regards to the way people view single parents, whereas nowadays it's not necessarily as frowned upon. It's not Mm -hmm. like, oh, you're a single parent. There's not that same level of judgment Mm -hmm. there as there might have been when when you were a single parent. And I think me looking back now, I'm a bit older. I think there was a lot of you wanting to prove people wrong. That yes. just because you were a single parent didn't mean that, you know, I was going to you suffer for it. Achieve. Uh-huh. Mm. Because I think that a lot of people have misconceptions uh, as to children of single parents. You know, they're unruly, not disciplined, don't achieve much in life, don't go anywhere in life. And that was people's misconceptions. Mm. And it doesn't have to be like that. Now, people are choosing to be single parents now. Mm-hmm. Whether they have same-sex relationships, whether they're on their own, you know, and just decide I want to adopt, I want to foster. Years ago, that would never have been allowed if you were mm. a single parent, mm-hmm. you know, or, or they're having artificial insemination because they want their own child. Yeah. Fair play to them. Let people do what they want to do, as long as they're kind, decent people. No, I, I completely agree. And I think also, you know, if you are the child of a single parent, and I'm sure mm-hmm. there's plenty of children of single parents, or even single parents themselves listening to this episode, you know, it's it's a fantastic role model mm-hmm. to have in your life. You know, mm-hmm. I definitely felt that with you. You know, I saw you working all the hours that God sent and then still being there for me and still being my biggest cheerleader. You know, having that person in your life to be able to look up to really inspires you because Mm -hmm. when you're seeing someone you know when you're hearing you say to me there's no such word as can't and then I Mm -hmm. see you doing what seems like it should be impossible Mm -hmm. you do kind of start to believe it Mm -hmm. and go oh well actually you know if she's able to do this but I saw my mum doing that Mm. my mum became a widow at a very young age Mm -hmm. and she had all of her children and never once did we go hungry go without and she tried to support every one of us in our dreams Mm. whatever we wanted but it's difficult to do when you've got so many kids, you know? But she was always a big support and she always worked. Mm-hmm. She didn't get any handouts from the government. You know, she had to do these things. So I saw that. So why wouldn't I aspire to be as, as good as, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was a competition, but I think no, you, no. Had it, you had it modelled for you. Yes. And you definitely, you know, modelled that for mm-hmm. me as well. Mm-hmm. And you spoke about, you know, you you had dreams when you were younger you spoke about wanting to be a PE teacher but you were also a really good swimmer and you wanted to be a competitive swimmer oh yeah I did I did and actually I was very lucky because the swimming pool that I went to hadn't long been built like 1975 it was built and I started swimming there and the manager of the pool actually said to me at one point do you want to come to the club and he was a father of the eight nine children and I said I would love to do that, but I know my mum can't afford to pay mm. the competition fees or the club fees. And he said, that doesn't matter. Just come to the club and swim. Mm. And I did. And I really appreciated that from him. Mm-hmm. And how come you didn't continue on with it then in the end? It was just too much because I ended up with a part-time job at weekends. Yeah. You know, I worked during the summer holidays because... My mum was always a good one. If you want to do this, then you work to, have to work hard to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's something you want, like I wanted a skateboard. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the 1970s, there weren't many girls that wanted a skateboard, so I wanted mm-hmm. a skateboard. And she said, well, if you want a skateboard, you either wait for Christmas or... Save up. Save up and buy it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. 
and then smashed it a bit a week after. So you know, when I came along, and I in- I also enjoyed swimming. Mm-hmm. Do you think that your original passion for the sport is what kind of not pushed me into it, but you enjoyed me swimming as well? I enjoyed you swimming. I could see that you had a natural talent for swimming, mm. and that's rare. Not all children. Yes, they can go through the motions and do it, but you were you were good. You had a great stroke, you had great technique, and you were fast. <laughs> you were fast. I mean, so why wouldn't I encourage that? Mm. You know, and you seemed to enjoy it too. You didn't like the training nearly as much. That was sometimes a problem with you, mm. but you loved competition. I was competition a very competitive. You just loved. Yes, I was a very you know. competitive little and child. And also the fact it was very good for you to integrate with other kids. Mm. You know, other children, both sexes, all sitting about the pool. And you've made some of those friends for life now and you met them when you were seven years old. Definitely. But what was it like for you, you know, when I started, you know, winning races and, and growing up within the swimming club, you know, going from swimming maybe once or twice a week to twice a day, every day. What was it like for you knowing, oh God, I'm going to need to pay for competition fees and for new swimsuits and I need to drive her around everywhere and this is getting expensive and I'm a single parent working as a nurse you know what was that like because it must have been stressful yeah well I just knew I had to work extra shifts Mm. and your gran was great at being able to take you you know overnight while I worked a night shift to be able to pay for that Mm. or (laughs) one thing that was really exhausting and to quite honest I was glad when it stopped and you were old enough to go with other people a competition which she didn't do very often because I like to watch you compete was um actually taking you and let you do your warm-up and then me going and lying in the car for an hour because I was absolutely dead on my feet mm. you know doing without sleep and sleep deprivation was a big big thing when you were growing up but hey you get there you just get through it you just yeah. manage to get it through somewhere I'm just gonna say like do you find it just somewhere within yourself? You find it somewhere within yourself. You know your child's thriving. You know your child's happy. And I'm happy seeing you being happy. That gives yeah. me enjoyment, you know. Um, yeah, financially it was expensive, but so could other things. You could be doing other things. Yeah. No, you're yeah. right. I mean, it definitely kept me out of trouble because I was yeah. just... I was I was exhausted from training constantly. And yeah, you know, it takes up a lot of your time. That was a big thing, though, when you were growing up because... When I was younger, we all used to hang about. We hung about the streets. We didn't create any problems. We all had to be in by a certain time with our parents anyway because mm. I know that Americans say it's a curfew, but we were told to be in when the lights come on, the street lights, mm-hmm. whether that be in the summer or the winter. Winter, the street lights would come on about 5 o'clock at night, so you were in early. Mm. Uh, street lights come on 8, 9 o'clock at night during the summer, so it was a case get in, yeah. you know, get home, not to be hanging about. So in a way as well, it was... We, as you know, we stayed in a small village. It was a way to stop you hanging about. And give you me know, something purposeful you to do. Purpose, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I've definitely felt yeah. throughout my life I've always had a purpose. I've always had something to strive for. And I think, you know, that's something that I really need in my life. Mm-hmm. I definitely need something to aim for. So you, and I think the majority of people listening to this will know that you are responsible for my love of killer whales oh, God, yeah. you know you took me to Orlando when I was eight but specifically SeaWorld do you remember what my reaction was like to seeing I'm sorry if anyone can hear this on the episode we're in the Netherlands and it's almost new year there are fireworks going off constantly so I do apologize if you can hear that 
Um, when I was eight, and I remember being in what was then Shamu Stadium. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what my reaction was oh, like seeing Killer Whales? Specifically, Rills? remember it. Oh my God, you were so enthralled. I took you in a back back lot tour there, and you got to clap a tiger shark. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and it says for you to put your hand the opposite way of the direction you know for its head to yeah its i'm tail. just gonna interrupt because you said the scottish word clap um oh, sorry, i think pet. yes pet, pet. or sorry, stroke clap, yes stroke. <laughs> um and they said to stroke it from the tail to the head and you it felt like sandpaper mm. uh, and then we entered into the back of shamu stadium and there were three or four whales in the back pool and we could see them but we were a good distance from the actual side of the, of the wall pool. yeah, yeah the wall and the trainer was talking all about them and you kept lifting your head up to see them and then the killer whale kept spy hopping and mm. checking and you were doing the same and the the trainer asked you not to do that because it was a behaviour that the whale was copying mm. you doing. Um, and then when we went into the stadium to watch the show, the first thing he said, I'm going to do that when I grow up. <laughs> I said, really? Yes, I'm going to do that when I grow up. I said, what are you going to do? I'm going to be a killer whale trainer. Are you sure, Hazel? I am positive, Mum. I'm going to be a killer whale trainer. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. And what was your thought? Did you think it was just, you know, an eight-year-old? You've been here. You've enjoyed it. You've loved it. You thought, oh, that's wonderful. I would love to do that. But it was something that wouldn't stick with you. Mm. You know, it's something that once you got home and get back into the normal routine of life, that you say, oh, that was a great time. I thoroughly enjoyed that. But I wouldn't hear that again. I want to be a killer whale trainer. But I heard it all the time. Well, when I was eight and I came home, you know, it did... I, I still loved killer whales and dolphins. Like, mm-hmm. I would, I remember I would always get, like, books about marine mammals yeah, and yeah. stuff for my Christmases and my birthdays. I, I always loved them. But, you know, that dream of working with killer whales definitely kind of disappeared for a while. And it wasn't until I went back when I was 14, 14 you took me back. Yeah. And that's when I was really like, no... I want to do this and that's when you saw me kind of start talking to trainers and trying to get advice about it so when you saw me getting really serious about it what was your thought process well I need to support you in this what can I do Mm. what's my role Mm -hmm. what do I do here you know and my role a lot of it was to support you at school because I remember your guidance teacher actually saying to me you know Hazel's got this thing that she keeps saying she's going to be a killer whale trainer but that's not really feasible, considering she comes from Scotland. And I had to say to her, it's feasible if Hazel wants it to be feasible. <laughs> if she wants to do this, then that's what she'll do. So I'll support her any way I can to get her to do that job. But I didn't have to support you very much because you were the one that went online. You were the one that researched where you wanted to go. I mean, computers then, I mean, they weren't great like we had facebook like you had facebook and obviously you had google and websites and stuff but there was no there wasn't social media wasn't the same no you didn't get facebook until i moved away from home um you know so i remember trawling through forums and web chats and and trying to speak to other trainers in different areas and trying to find out where you could go for internships Mm. that was a big thing and I think that's why you do your coaching, which is great, because that's a niche where you couldn't find anybody Mm-mm. to help you and say, well, you should go for this. This is what you're going to need. This is what a swim test consists of. Yeah. This, you know, that kind of thing. That was really interesting. I like that you did that because you couldn't find anything. 
No, I mean, I was really lucky, obviously, that you took me to Orlando and I managed to talk to trainers there. And I just said, how did you do it? Like, how did you get this job? And I remember it was a trainer called Amy at Discovery Cove who gave me um, the details of Imata. And it was really getting, knowing what Imata was. Like, I I didn't even know that that existed. And just being able to type that in on Google and become a member that mm-hmm. gave me so much information that I was missing mm-hmm. and I do remember sitting in like my university library going on every website of mm-hmm. every job internship and trying to figure out where I would want to go but going back to the guidance teacher thing I remember we had a careers advisor come in mm-hmm. um, to the school when I was still in high school and she was kind of going through oh this is these are some options these are like course curriculums etc and we had a private meeting with her mm-hmm. every single student mm-hmm. and I remember just going in and going I want to be a killer real trainer and I remember her face being like first of all no one is <laughs> no one has ever asked this of me and second of all I don't know how to help this girl mm-hmm. and I just remember looking at her going it's okay I know exactly what I have to do you don't have to tell me anything mm-hmm. and the only thing I think I needed from her was like the University of Glasgow prospectus for yes. psychology because yes. I was like I need yes. to go and study psychology mm-hmm. so you know you saw me go through all of that you definitely really supported me and, and pushed me mm-hmm. um, and I definitely couldn't do it without you you know I've spoken a lot in my book about yeah, it. Yeah I think the internships was a big thing that was expensive mm-hmm. but Again, you know, if it's going to help you achieve your dream, it's worth it, if I can do it. Do you think, because I'm very passionate about it nowadays, that internships should be part way subsidied or there should be some sort of compensation? There should be a wage to it. You Mm -hmm. shouldn't be working for nothing. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're gaining um, knowledge. Um, You're passing that knowledge on, but you're doing a lot of work. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hours involved, mm-hmm. there's a lot of time in fish kitchen, there's a lot of time away from home. Now you have to save up to support yourself as in living three months in... Whatever. Sometimes the accommodation is slightly reduced, but not massively. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to feed yourself and clothe yourself for three months. You've got to have transportation for three months, you know, back and forward to the facility. And also some time out with friends. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of money. You were lucky that you were a swimmer and swim teacher that you could actually earn some money before you went. But I do feel that they get so much work from you that they should pay a certain amount. No, I completely agree. Like I, you know, I I have big discussions about this with my mentees as well. You know, I think it is, it's extortionate to intern, you know, especially if you're traveling somewhere out of state or like me out of the country, you know, visas, flights, accommodation, everything. Um, And some facilities are getting better at it. Either they provide housing, which is completely free, which I think Mm -hmm. is great. Or they give um, a wage, which is basically, you know, it's minimum wage, but you know, they're still getting compensated for some of the, Mm -hmm. you know, the work that they're putting in. Because I think if you do a completely unpaid internship, you should at least have some sort of guarantee of work coming out of it. You know, if you're expected to put in three months of work for free for a facility, Mm -hmm. that facility should then be like, okay, well, you guys are our first pick for a paid position. You know, but this industry, it's not really like that. It's just something that's, that's expected. And I do hope to see that change. So you saw me go through all of my internships Mm -hmm. and the time was coming for me to kind of leave home. Oh God, don't have me crying. <laughs> She's literally sitting here with tears oh, in her eyes. God. 
So you you always knew that that was going to be a possibility. Oh, I knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean I wanted it, but didn't mean I was going to stop either. <laughs> we'll pause it. Hang on. <laughs> Have you composed yourself? Uh, yeah. <laughs> So Sorry. you knew I was I was leaving home, and, and when I left, I went to the Dominican. You know, yes. it was very far away. It was the other side of the world. I'd never been there. Were you worried? Oh, God, of course I was worried. Mum's mm. worried whether you're going into the town. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that's a Glasgow thing to say, if you're going into the city to do shopping. Mm-hmm. But mum's worried no matter where you go, what you're doing. But to go that far away, I always wanted to make sure I was able to contact you right away. So that's when I... Was it? Yeah, it was then. I That's when you got Facebook. Facebook. That's when I get Facebook to check on the pictures, check on you. I need to check on you. Um, to be able to FaceTime you. Um, to be able to phone you, to make sure the phones work. Because there were lots of problems during the internship in Florida. Mm. Uh, getting phones to work. Mm-hmm. That was a difficult thing. But thank God we got it fixed before I actually left. So all these things, and knowing that I wouldn't be out for maybe six months mm-hmm. to see you physically. What was that like for you? Because, you know, for about... I was 21 when I left mm-hmm, home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you were a single parent for over 20 years. It had always just been the two of us. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you, for me, to to leave home in such a kind of drastic way? It wasn't like I was just moving somewhere where we could catch up over well, dinner. It wasn't something that happened right away. To me, it was more a gradual process because of the internships. Mm. You know, because you were away for three months, right? I know you're doing that. Because you were out on the Silurians and you were doing the whale and dolphin research. Yeah. You know, you were away, although it was up in the north of Scotland, you were still away from home like that. Mm -hmm. So I was getting used to that and I always knew if you're going to be a killer whale trainer, you're not going to do it in Scotland. (laughs) There aren't any. Yeah. You know, the most you'll do is work with the the sea lions. So I knew it was happening. Didn't mean I was happy that you were leaving, but I was happy that you were achieving what you wanted to achieve. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you did come out, to the Dominican after mm-hmm. six months and you saw me working as a dolphin trainer at that point and you know you were then a guest and you have me emotional again <laughs> <laughs> you were then a guest in my in my dolphin program what was it like for you oh it was surreal yeah it really was but it was fantastic because did you know it was always one of my dreams to swim with a dolphin mm. and the biggest thing that I got was when you were doing your internship in Florida mm, the natural swim the natural swim where I only had to put on a pair of flippers and went in and the the dolphins came to me and then a baby dolphin came up and was nudging on my shoulder mm. and I kept popping up and saying oh my gosh yes oh my gosh yes look 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 and you're like mum just go down and swim and like, oh I was just I was just so excited because that was me achieving my dream yeah you know yeah I mean it, it was just it was phenomenal. I mean I'm still very very proud of myself that mm. your two childhood dreams came true Thanks to me, you're swimming with dolphins, and you got and you got a, you got a kiss. You got a kiss from Donny Osmond. Yeah, if you guys aren't familiar with that story, we went to Vegas oh, in 2014. Yeah, 2014. It was after it was after I left high school, um, and we went to go and see Donny Osmond and Marie That's Osmond right. their show in one of the hotels and we ended up sitting at a table yeah, with one of the yeah with one of the dancers right. the mum of one of the dancers right. and i was screaming oh, I know, at so donnie <laughs> you were bright red anybody that knows me i don't like being the, the center of attention. attention being on me i don't like that at all that's never been me never liked it 
always like to go under the radar mm. and nobody really noticed me. Even when she was walking me down the aisle on my wedding day, she was like, oh my God, everyone's going to be looking at me. Well, they weren't actually. Maybe that was me being big-headed, but they were believing <laughs> me, they were certainly looking at you, but uh, it was I don't have to do that too. But yeah, I was so embarrassed sitting there and you're screaming, Donnie, I'm Donnie, can you? I was like, oh no, no. And he, he did, did, though. He came over. He did. He came over and, and he gave you a kiss on the cheek and yeah. you slapped me afterwards on, on yeah. my on my arm. You were like, yeah. oh, Hazel, why did you do that? And I, I was like, it hey, was your child to dream. And the mum was in hysterics. It was so funny. It was brilliant. Oh, it was funny, um, it was. And my reigning memory of you being in my first dolphin program mm-hmm. was you attempting to help me communicate to, to the, the Germans. No, it was no, the it was Russians. Russians. Oh, it was Russians. It was Russians because they didn't know how to hold onto the dorsal fin. Yeah, they were a bit of a nightmare. Interaction programs are not really my thing. Uh-huh. Maybe we should gloss over that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I was in the Dominican for a year and... Then I moved to Tenerife, obviously I got my job as a killer rail trainer. I don't remember calling you to tell you that I got the job as I remember oh, I remember Claudia phoning me. She phoned yes. at five five o'clock in the morning because she got the time difference uh-huh. wrong to give me the job and she was like, Is it early there? Because I literally got yeah. woken up out of bed and I was like, Oh yeah, it's five AM. She was like, uh-huh. oh, I'm so sorry and I was like, Do not apologize, you've just given me my dream job. Uh-huh. But do you remember me calling? I remember you? it, yes, I do, because I had been night shift. Mm. And as soon as I came in off the night shift, the, the house phone was ringing. Because, mm. you know, me with mobiles, I'm not a big no. mobile person or anything like that. But the phone was ringing. I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? That's my first reaction to anything. Yeah. What's happened? What's wrong? No, no, no. Hazel, calm down. Please, please calm down. Just tell me what it is. <laughs> what's wrong? And you're like, I'm going to kill a world trainer. I was like, oh. I was so <laughs> amazed, delighted. Yeah. And what was it like when you came to Tenerife? And I know I wasn't doing very much with the whales well, the first time that you came. They're touching whales. I mean, who else gets to do that? Yeah. But what was it like for you sitting in the stadium and going, okay, this is my daughter who said since she was 14 that she wants to be a killer rail trainer and now I'm watching her be a killer <laughs> rail trainer. You need to stop crying, woman. This is... <laughs> What what was that like? I was very proud. It was a very proud moment to think I've helped her get there. You did help me get there. I couldn't have done it without you. God, you guys should see. This is why this is not a video medium. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was just it was a very proud moment, mm. and I was very proud of you for achieving your dreams mm. and your goals. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I was a slight part of it, but you did it all, Hazel. You did it all yourself. But I, but you know that I couldn't have done it without yeah, your support. I know, I know, but my support was minimal compared to the amount of work that you put in for it. Hmm. Certainly was. I'm sorry, the rustling's just my tissues. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if the mic's picking it up. Um, but you know, when I I did become a killer rail trainer, and you know, we've spoken about me always needing some sort of purpose in my life and needing something to strive yes. for. When I then said that I wanted to write a book, what was your first thought? <laughs> well, that's not unusual for you because you've been writing stories and books and whatever since you were mm. a child. You've always had your nose in a book. You and your gran would go to the library, you'd come back yeah. with lots of books, sit either side of the fire and read away. And constantly you'd be giving me wee presents of books that you'd written. Little short stories, Little short yeah. Stories. Do you remember that I used to write me and my cousin Marianne into Harry Potter. Yes, yes you did. <laughs> and I used to get you to print it off at work uh, and I'd give it to her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So that was no that was no surprise to me mm. that you wanted to write stories, write books. That is of no surprise whatsoever because you do have an amazing imagination. Mm-hmm. You do. And you had a lot of dreams. And as I say, yeah, you were a killer whale trainer. That was one dream. You achieved that. But it doesn't mean you can't strive for other dreams in your life. Yeah. You know, life isn't about having one dream only. Do what you want. Life's for living. Mm-hmm. It's too damn short. It is too short. You know, and nobody knows what's around the corner for any one of us. Very true. So live your life the mm-hmm. way you want to live your life. Not the way somebody expects you to live your life. Mm-hmm. Your life is yours. Mm-hmm. And you're lucky that you've now got a husband who supports your dreams and who loves you the way you are, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. No, I definitely think that life's, you know, too short to do anything other than what makes you happy. Yes. Um, and I think I heard, what was it, What was the quote that I heard? You're li- it's, oh, ha- hang on, I need to, I need to find this, this quote. I think it's something like, life is too short to be ruled by other people's disappointments. So you can't live your life by thinking, oh, they'll be disappointed if I do this, but Listen, this is going to make me happy. Someone else's opinion is of no consequence to you. Yeah. That's their opinion, mm-hmm. not yours. It doesn't affect your life. Mm-hmm. Your life's yours. So nobody when... Has, nobody else can leave, live your life for you, Hazel. You've got to live your own life. Yeah, and when I told you that I was going to leave the Wales... That was hard. Mm. That was hard, because I thought you've worked so hard for so long to get there yeah that you want to give it up but obviously I thought well Paul must mean so much to you mm. that you've decided I'm leaving the wheels and I'm coming here and I have to respect that mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever said you can't do that I think you've always been very good in kind of giving me your opinion but even if you just well, disin- <laughs> really yeah <laughs> um you know giving me your opinion and even if you know we disagreed I still know that you're going to support me. Yeah, like you might, logic. you might disagree with some things that I do, mm-hmm. but I know that you're never going to like turn your back on me or anything. No. And I think that that's, that's something that not everyone mm-hmm. gets from their parents. And that's sad. It's sad that parents don't see that you can't live their life for them. Mm. You've got to give them the room and the space to grow and be their own person. Mm-hmm. You cannot live somebody else's life for them. That's cruel even think you can and for anyone listening to this who maybe has a dream or can't be themselves in front of their parents or is worried about their parents not supporting them what would you say to them i'm sorry but do you really want to stay in a relationship where someone doesn't value you for you Mm. you've got to be yourself you've got to be open and honest with them and maybe they'll surprise you Mm. maybe they'll actually surprise you maybe your perception of how they're going to react isn't it how it's going to be? Mm. And a lot of people are like that. I'm too scared to tell my mum this. I'm too scared to tell my mum that. And I've heard lots of people say, when I was younger, I'm too scared to tell my mum that I'm pregnant because she'll kill me. Mm. And you're, and my mum, people have come to my mum, who, as I say, was born in the 20s, and people would come to her and say, I'm pregnant, I don't know how to tell my mum. She says, your mum might be disappointed, but it's a disappointment she'll get over. Mm. She loves you and she'll mm-hmm. love the child. A child's a gift to anyone. Mm-hmm. So don't be scared. Just be honest. And I think sometimes it's people's lack of honesty. Yeah. You know, that the parent knows there's something not right, mm-hmm. but they're not being fully honest mm-hmm. with them. So maybe if they were more honest and shared how they felt and what was going on in their life, that the, the reaction would be better than they actually thought. 
I think that's one quality that you definitely have, that you're very accepting of people. Um, because I always felt it when I was younger, like all of my classmates would always be like, oh, let's go, let's go to your mum's, <laughs> you know, let's go see your mum. And even, you know, friends that I've had since I was young mm-hmm. and we're now all adults, you know, they always, they always like being around you and you always end up getting told everyone's life stories. Yes. Like you, you attract everyone and their mother to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about you, but you definitely, you know, have, mm-hmm. have something. Mm-hmm. So, um, the thing is. Hazel, life is so short. It really is. You've got to just grab it by the horns and live it. Mm-hmm. Live it and get the most out of it. What, the worst thing you can do is sit back at the end of your life and say, I regret not having done that. Yeah. You're never going to regret saying, I regret trying for that. I regret doing that. Mm-hmm. You know? At least you know how it turned out. Yeah. You tried it. You went yeah. for your gut. You tried it. Why not? Yeah. Well, Mum, thanks so much for... You're being welcome. on the pod sorry for crying on it <laughs> <laughs> no honestly you've surprised me like for someone who doesn't enjoy being in front of the camera or, or anything like i mean there's not well, a there's no physical camera it's just like we're talking it's just to you and i talking so that's okay yeah you did amazing but yeah everyone knows that i could not have done it without you mm-hmm. um you're the best you're amazing i love you i love you too baby and you'll always be my baby i don't care what anybody says Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, then please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and I will see you all next week.